How's it going, everyone? This is Brad Williams with Over 40 Fitness Hacks. Uh, I have my season co-star with me, Dr. Laniel Mitchell with Physio Gym. How are you doing, Dr. Laniel? All good, Brad. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Well, I thought it'd be fun to, to go through the different age groups now. Yeah, um, right. So if we're, if we're, if, yeah, no worries. Surprise. If we're going, you know, if we're going, let's start with like age 10 to 20, that's kind of like junior high finishing up high school. Um, what do I kind of did my episode of what I would tell, tell these kids to, to watch out for. But as far as like in your world of physical therapy, what, what have you seen mostly? I'm assuming a lot of it's athletes, but you know, once you dive deep into the junior high, high school. So this is really my niche area, right? And one of the reasons why is because Obviously, I was an athlete, you know, I wrestled in college, I was an All-American, played baseball and football in college as well, and I just love sports, and I love athletics, and I came from an area, you know, back in Pittsburgh, where you're basically, sports are like a religion, mm-hmm. right, your, 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 your family values and everything that you learn has sports wrapped around it, even if you're not one of those families, you can't get away from it, because in Pittsburgh, it's just so in, ingrained, right, so I ended up doing this, you know, special program where I, I went through residency to become a sports specialist at the University of Cincinnati. And basically, I worked and did my research at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. So uh, basically, they had this, uh, you know, really high end uh, 3D motion analysis lab where I did my research there. And they had one of the top, you know, sports medicine research groups in the United States, maybe in the world. They had won this huge award for uh, basically figuring out why women tear their ACLs more than men and how to prevent it. And these guys were the leading guys in this. Uh, field. So when it comes down to ACL tear, for example, which I know we're going to talk about, that's typically a teenage to, you know, early adult type of population that that happens in. So uh, Mark Paterno, who's actually from Pittsburgh as well, he was the head of the pediatric side of sports medicine at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And I had a meeting with him one day. And I said, hey, Mark, you know, it's really interesting. I, I went and start, tried to take a huge dive in the literature. And I said, one of the reasons why I, I went and did this dive is because I saw this statistic that 75% of athletes quit playing sports after eighth grade. Wow. Whoa. Right. I said, I have to figure this out. Like, why is that? Right. And we could extrapolate a lot of things out, you know, and take a deep dive on why that is. Right. But I started thinking, well, if 75% of kids quit playing sports after, you know, eighth grade, well, then that means 75% of athletes are under the age of eight you know, at 14 years old or 15 years old, right? They're younger than an eighth grader, which makes them an adolescent, right? So, well, where's the research on what we're supposed to do with adolescent athletes? And I asked this guy, I was like, look, I took this dive at this time, you know, I was doing research, I had my doctorate, all this stuff. I couldn't find anything that was like randomized control trial, gold study type of, you know, gold standard type of studies on how we're supposed to treat adolescent athletes. It was just a lot of anecdotal theoretical information. Now it's gotten better since then, but it wasn't like what you see in hip replacements, for example, right? If you want to go do research on hip hip replacements, you'll find, you'll just never be able to stop looking for, you know, hip arthritis and hip back pain and those types of things, right? But you have this huge cohort of athletes that we're not even trying to understand, right? And what it comes down to 
Well, I'll ask you this. What do you think the uh, the most, uh, the biggest injury that you see in, uh, you know, younger athletes or high school, you know, adolescent population? I'm just curious to see. Yeah. So for 10, 10 to 20, I'm thinking, you know, ankle, ankle, knee, ACL, MCL, not too bad because they don't have the power and torque that the 20 to 30 have. That's where I really would think that you'd get the real nasty injuries. But I think more of just easier ankle rolls, nothing horrible. I know you specialize in the, the women's ACL. So maybe females for the ACL, but for everyone else, maybe just their first little pains and everything. But what, what is there? Is there anything you see common that's like more serious or is it just, yeah. Exactly- so, yeah. So ankle sprains is easily the highest yeah. one, yeah, right? No so, which is also why I come back to it, you know, an ankle sprain, right? A sprain is a ligament tear, right? So is an ACL anterior cruciate ligament right so why do we look at the acl like it's this like career ending injury and then we look at an ankle sprain and we're like hey tape it up walk (laughs) yeah yeah, right exactly walk back out there go play on this thing right so uh, when i was at the university of cincinnati my first year like in the first month we had a young girl and another uh, young guy who were freshmen division one athletes full scholarship that came in and were medically disqualified within the first month of, uh, of their you know, participation in college. Right. So if you could imagine you're, you know, you committed your whole life, you're getting ready to go play college sports. You're leaving your high school, you're leaving your family behind to find out in the first month that you're going to be medically disqualified and never going to be able to play sports again. Right. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, right. Crazy, right? So, you know, it completely changes your whole life. Well, uh, there's an in- injury or, you know, a, a disease process in joints that's called an osteochondral defect, which is basically you end up with a pothole in your cartilage, in your articular cartilage in your knee. And if you keep running around and jumping around, and it can happen in any joint, but it's, it's a big one that we see in the knee and the ankle. And basically, if you keep staying active on it, you're going to end up with, you know, really uh, progressive arthritis and end up having to get a joint replacement really early on. Well, why does that happen? So when the ACL tears in the knee, the ligament ruptures, right? And as it ruptures, the bones smack together, right? So the ligament pops. And then as the knee comes back together, as the femur and the tibia come back together, boom, they smack together and you end up with this bone bruise. So when that, when that bone bruise, the cartilage ends up basically degrading as you're running around on it and and having issues with it. But the reason why we know that that bone bruise is there, because in that specific ligament situation, in in terms of the ligament tear, we do an MRI, right? But when you sprain, when you sprain your ankle, you never get an MRI. Nope. Right. Because barely get an (laughs) x-ray. Exactly. Right. So and MRIs are really designed to tell you whether you're going to have surgery or it doesn't matter, you know, in any case, you're trying to find some type of cancer or some type of situation that's really bad because clinically when we're doing these tests, we're going, oh, something, something's not right here, right? We need to get this MRI to find out what's really wrong. But most of the time it's designed to dictate surgery, right? Or some type of more medical intervention. It's not designed to you for you to figure out how to do it in a conservative, non-operative way. It doesn't, the, the MRI doesn't really help your physical therapist or chiropractor or anybody too much. Right? Yeah. So that ankle sprain, same thing happens. You basically roll that ankle, the bones smack together, and then you end up with this cartilage defect. 
but it's an ankle sprain is a very severe injury. And we don't, when we don't MRI them, we don't know whether you've got this bone bruise issue or not. People, you know, the way that the structure of the knee joint is the, 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 the knee, the top of the tibia is actually very flat. Right. Mm-hmm. And those those two meniscus menisci that are there are rounded to help deal with the, the femoral condyles that are coming down over top. Right. I don't know if you can see any of the pictures in the background <laughs> here, but um, it helps to create a congruency in the shape of the joint to allow for stability. Well, the knee is very inherently unstable. And that's one of the reasons why it tears and gets injured so easily. So then the ankle is more inherently stable. It's more like a ball and socket joint. So, you know, the talus fits underneath of the tibia and the mm-hmm. feet or the, the fibula as they come down. So you sprain your ankle, you can still, you know, from a survival standpoint, right? You can still hunt and run around in the woods and, you know, and live your life for the most part. But technically you have this really significant damage to that, to that joint. And over time, it ends up eroding, which also erodes all your other mechanics as well, which is one of the reasons why the ankle sprains are so significant and wow. that they shouldn't be they shouldn't be downplayed right so uh the, so yes ankle sprains are probably the the number one and not probably we know in the literature they're the number one injury that you're going to see in, in the younger population if you want to go I could, I could move on to the next well, there's, was, a, there's an even bigger point to make but go ahead yeah so i was just going to say uh, uh just recapping kind of what we talked about um 75 of athletes before they hit junior high, just leave for whatever reason. So you're left with whatever's left of that pool. 25% of them, they're all pumping through junior high and high school athletics with more common ankle injuries that they can keep, keep going, maybe some knee issues, but you don't even see the real problems until, you know, they're not even looked at till 20 to 30, which is our next topic. And by then it's, it's surgery time or you're out like career ending, uh, injury. So that's why I thought I'd recap that until we segue into the 20 to 30 year olds. Now you've got these kids with all these ankle injuries, these, uh, you know, degenerative issues you just talked about now, now what's the problem with the 20, 30 year olds? Well, let me, let me go back to the kids real quick too. Now, and, and this is because this is an important, important point to make. So one of the other big differences between kids and adults are that their growth plates are still open. That's right. Right. And so, right. So, you know, I'm sure people that are listening to this, even if they're, you know, looking for fitness over 40, they have kids, right. That, you know, that they need to know this information. I I think so. Exactly. Um, Especially, especially if they're playing sports. So their growth plates are open. So it really factors into the way that we rehab kids. Primarily, we can't rehab them like adults. For example, adults really respond really well to eccentric loading, which is like that negative phase, the force absorption phase. Mm -hmm. So when we do that, we see more EMG activity in the muscle, which means you're getting more muscle recruitment. And you also see a better basically uh, introduction of hypertrophy or the things that stimulate hypertrophy are going to happen with eccentrics or negative negatives better. So in, in adult rehab, we use those things very heavily because we know that it's going to you know speed up the process. However, those things also create a lot of stress to the joints and especially where we have our attachment points of tendons and ligaments. Well, for tendons particularly, they're primarily attached to areas where there are growth plates, mm-hmm. right? So we have Osgood-Schwader's disease. Have you ever heard of that yeah right? that's so in the knee right 
Right. It's super common. You see it in, you know, uh, catchers and anybody that does any type of jumping or running sports and kids. And then you also see another thing that's called Seaver's disease, which is basically on the backside of your heel. So Osgood Slaughter's is on the front of your knee where your patellar tendon attaches and Seaver's disease is on the posterior aspect of the ankle where the Achilles tendon attaches. Well, guess what? what? What the difference is when you're an adult, you get patellar tendonitis or Achilles tendonitis. There we go. Right? And, and, right. and a kid, they call it apophysitis. And apophysitis means that you're getting growth plate inflammation. And that's because where that tendon is, where it attaches, the tendon is actually uh, stronger than the growth plate. So in, in that kid. So because the growth plate hasn't closed, that tendon is yanking on that growth plate. And over time, what you'll see is actually the body starts laying down calcium there and you get what's called an exostosis or basically a bone spur, which is what Osgood slaughters and, and Seaver's disease eventually becomes. You end up with this deformity on the in the front of the knee on the tibial tuberosity or on the back and, and you get what they call it a Haglund's deformity or a pump bump. You'll see it on somebody's, uh, the backside of their ankle, they get like a little knob the area where their Achilles tendon attaches. Huh. And the, the, the significance of that is, is that you know, most of the time, the way we treat those issues medically is in Seaver's disease and Osgood Schlatter's is to rest, right? But we know in adults that have Achilles tendonitis and patellar tendonitis that you're supposed to do these rehabs and fix their mechanics and all of these things. So now what will happen to me is I'll be talking to an 18-year-old senior, you know, football player. I know this is actually a story that I had. And I said, Hey, you know, tell me the, the history about, you know, your, this knee issue. And he said, Oh, well, I had Osgood Schlatter's when I was 12 years old. Right. And you can see that that same mechanical problem has been going on for six years. Wow. Right. Now his growth plates are starting to close. So he's not necessarily having Osgood Schlatter's and he's having a different type of knee problem. But the mechanics have never changed in that whole time period because you have more fluid in your joints as a kid and your, you know, your cartilage is thicker and all of these things, you can get away with more error, right? So then as you get older, basically you get away with less and less and less error. As you're younger, you know, and most kids and probably you as well and most other people out there, you know, you really end up with a, a really dominant right side or left side pattern based upon handedness. And most of these problems that we see in people are usually on one side of the body versus the other. And then they'll tell you, oh, well, this is just overuse, right? Just shut it down. Just rest. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Well, why is this happening on my left side and not on my right side? Which is also typically what we see if you're right-handed. A lot of times these overuse problems happen on the left side, mostly because of a coordination issue. Yeah. So, so coming back to that cradle to the grave aspect, you know, all of our movement characteristics are basically compounding over time. So whether it's it's moving towards an improvement, which is what you want to see with like long-term athletic development and an elite athlete that you're trying to progress for the Olympics, or somebody that sprains their ankle and then ends up with degenerative arthritis and diabetes and heart disease and all of these things over their lifetime as they become more sedentary. Yeah. And then, uh, for, but for the most part, a lot of parents don't do anything for their kids for that, that age range. It's more of now these problems are really significant from the 20 to 30 age range. And that's when they're dumping them off to you and, you know, better to have caught it in the beginning. But what are you seeing now from 10 to 20? Like these knees are shot, ankles are shot, or I'm assuming they're still young enough that they can still rehab out of this. Sure. Yeah. You just, you never know where the ceiling is for somebody. And I tell people that all the time, like, I, I, I don't know where your ceiling is, but let's go find it. 
right? Because you don't want to end up being uh, basically three things. You don't want to be less functionally capable, right? You don't want to be less resilient and you don't want to be less confident, right? Which me, to me, makes you less athletic, mm-hmm. right? So you, you don't want to become a lesser athletic version of yourself because it's already going to happen, right? Basically, from the time you're born until you hit somewhere, probably arguably in your mid thirties, you have the potential to become the most athletic version of yourself. Right. And then as you, as you hit 40, you start to see this decline where you're inevitably going to become a lesser athletic version of yourself. Right. You start out in life, literally not being able to get off the floor. Yeah. Right. But then you end life. Same thing. Literally <laughs> not being able to get off the floor, right? So I always think it's really interesting because especially when we get to the high level of plyometrics, we forget that the functional foundation of our movement came from overcoming gravity and being able to, I mean, to, to be able to jump and get our bodies off of the ground for a period of life for most of us. Number one, it's a short window for most people, right? Where they can literally leave the ground and land on the ground comfortably and not have pain. You know, most athletes look at that as trivial. It's like, oh, of course, this is what they can do. But across the lifespan, if you do that with most people, they end up with injuries because they don't have a good ability to absorb the forces that the body has to deal with just even simply from gravity. So that's ultimately what we're always overcoming. And because gravity is always affecting us throughout the lifespan, you don't want to let it have this exponential negative impact. So you always want to be doing everything that you can to build your resiliency to dealing with gravity. It's it's the one thing that you can never get away from in this life. Yeah. Great. Um, so uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Laniel, for uh, coming on our show. Um, for our listeners, uh, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Website, social media? Yep. Yeah, so social media, I'm at Dr. Laniel on Instagram, and you can easily find me at Laniel Mitchell on Facebook. You know, I'm pretty responsive to people's you know, messages directly, you know, physio gym, F-Y-Z-I-O-G-Y-M, like it says on my shirt here. You know, if you just search for that, you can find us. We're on social media, you know, physio at physio gym revolution on Instagram. And, you know, the, the best email to reach me, if you're looking at, you know, trying to set up a consultation, we do free consultations, both in person and, uh, you know, virtually, you would uh, basically look for gym physio, G Y M F Y Z I O at physiogym.com F Y Z I O G Y M. Okay. And uh, like always with all my uh, co-stars on all my seasons, I'll put all the details in the, in the notes section for all our listeners too. So the links will be in there. You can just click on them. Uh, So uh, thank you, Dr. Neil for jumping on the show and uh, we'll get you back on for another four episodes. Hopefully. Awesome. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) 